Hello, hello, and welcome back to A Life Extraordinary. I'm your show host, Roberto, and I'm coming to you from my tin can, or otherwise known as an airstream. And you will be listening to the pitter-patter of rain on the aluminum shell as I tell you a story of trekking to the end of the world. And where, which part of the end of the world do you say? Well, none other than Patagonia's most southern tip. I decided to go explore and camp there on a session of adventure and travel. And boy, did I discover adventure. So here you go with my experience of being in one of the most remote parts of the planet. I clenched my eyes and curled into the fetus position, hoping my fears would dissipate. It had the opposite effect. The wind just seemed to roar louder and the rain fall harder. I opened my eyes again. My spirits fell. The side of the tent was within inches of my face and was being held there by a sustained fury that can only be found on the peak of a mountain, which is where I am. The idea to come had seemed a grand one at the time. Now it seemed like it might be my last. I'm convinced Murphy's Law joined me on the flight from Chile to Argentina the week before. The first domino fell when I came down with a wretched fever in an ant-infested hostel in Buenos Aires. I looked to remedy this by buying the first available tickets to the world most, world's most southern island, Tierra del Fuego, which lies off the coast of the tip of South America, or more specifically, to its fabled capital city of Ushuaia, population 63,280. Purported to be the most southern city in the world, I thought it would be an ideal launching point to go solo kayaking, I say purported because Chile's Puerto Williams, with its 2,000 residents, also claims to be the southernmost city, though the country does concede city status, requires at least 5,000 residents. Domino 2 fell as I stood looking at the famed Beagle Channel from Ushuaia's harbor, reflected back were monstrous waves jostling at the wicked wind's behest. Not exactly great paddling conditions for what was a novice kayaker like me at the time. My rational mind told me attempting it would be certain death, so I lolled around Ushuaia for a few days, trying every eatery and coffee shop, really not that many, hoping the weather might change. But soon I had to accept the reality I wouldn't get to paddle, and so concocted the idea of hiking up the Fujian Andes just north of the city. The fellow who was going to rent me a kayak took pity on my situation and offered to drive me up to the trailhead that leads into the mountains. Then the next domino collapsed. After a pit stop, my kind-hearted driver sped off before we reached it. Being accustomed to the lighter packing ways of a canoeist, my 80-pound pack with pelican case tripod and extra pair of boots felt like overkill. I decided to lighten my load by stashing some unnecessaries off the road and then marked my spot with the GPS. Lightened, I set off. After a couple of kilometers of hiking over boggy terrain and sighting giant beaver dams with minimal predators here, beavers, beavers are abundant. My stride was reduced to a hobble when my left heel began to hurt. Changing into my other shoes would remove any ankle protection I had, so I decided to change just the left one and continue on. After a couple of days of mountainside camping and gaining terrain, I found a place to rest for a night. The Hotel Refugio Bonete really a cabin located on Cerro Bonete, a mountain of about 1,100 meters. 
not unlike the huts you rent from the Alpine Club of Canada. When backcountry trekking there, the refugio boneta consists of four sturdy wooden walls, a roof, a wood stove, table, chair, and bunk bed, and a spectacular view. It was when looking out from the hut that I had the brilliant idea of cutting my hike in half by cutting across the mountains to my intended destination, La Laguna Esmeralda, a stunning lake in the Fijian Andes. My planned route had been to circle around the mountains to get to the lake, so up the Cerro Boneta I went, balancing my precarious load. Dominating the mountain range, Boneta's conical shape reminds me of a Himalayan behemoth, even though, comically, it translates, translates to mean bonnet. Yet hiking up from the southeast is easily done without any technical climbing. Nonetheless, I learned you have to be prepared for constant shifts in weather. Ushuaia has an average of 214 rainy days a year, and its subpolar oceanic climate can leave you chilled to the bone if you're not properly geared up. My arrival at the summit was greeted with a break in the clouds, a light wind, and perfect little patch of snow under the peak. The view was inspiring. Feeling elated, I pitched my tent and set to dinner. Somehow a moment there. So, um, my batteries just died there. But what I'm going to do is, if you give me a quarter of a second, I take this other set of batteries, and I switch it into this um, zoom, and then I will be able to continue on with my microphone. I do apologize. Seems I have technical difficulties from time to time, but that should do the trick, and then I can continue on with my story. All right, we're back. So up the Cerro Bonetta I went, balancing my precarious load. Dominating the mountain range, Bonetta's conical shape reminds me of Himalayan behemoths, even though comically it translates to meet bonnet. Yet hiking up from the southeast is easily done without any technical climbing. Nonetheless, I learned you have to be prepared for constant shifts in weather. Ushuaia has an average of 214 rainy days a year, and its subpolar oceanic climate can leave you chilled to the bone if you're not properly geared up. My arrival at the summit was greeted with a break in the clouds, a light wind, and perfect little patch of snow under the peak. The view was inspiring. Feeling elated, I pitched my tent and set to dinner, somehow ignoring the warning signs while cooking, even though keeping the stove lit was increasingly difficult with the wind. Absent-mindedly, I began to pile rocks. Uh, where, where was I? Uh... Get oh, <laughs> lost my spots. These things do happen. Um, alarm. Absent-mindedly, I began piling rocks around the tent until I had built a three-foot wall around my shelter. And it was while doing this that the ridiculousness of my chosen campsite dawned on me. I was totally exposed. Alarmed, I dove in. Dove into the tent. One tends to look forward to the diving into a tent after a long day's journey. Curled up in my sleeping bag with eyes clenched and hearing amplified, I was about to understand what it means to camp on the top of a mountain at the end of the world all alone. Poking my head out of my bag, I was greeted by the side of the tent and the poles were going to snap. But it wasn't until I heard one of the stones that I had placed fall off its 
pile in a that I began to reconsider my situation. If I stayed inside there, there was the possibility I'd be ripped off the mountain and tumbled down, trapped inside the tent. Or the stones would simply fall on top of me. I scrambled to put on my gear head to toe and jetted outside. The wind was playing havoc with the rain. Up, down, left, right. It came from everywhere. My Wildly in the wind, the illuminated black. Time I understood mountain. The will to hike, it can be absolutely effective that on my side. 